Amen. All right. Now let's refresh our memory, and we're just going to go over chapter 12, okay? I don't want to go over all of the chapters, just backing up to chapter 12. What, what is going on in 12? We, we studied, you studied the majority of it last week with Tyler. So what, uh, what is 12 focusing on? Okay, so Peter goes to prison. Okay. okay, so Peter goes to prison for preaching and then he's broken out. Okay. Anything else? We see some people introduced there, right? Just briefly introduced. That will make an appearance a couple times throughout. He's going to actually, he'll make a, an appearance uh, tonight in our book. So who, who's the one, who's the person that made an appearance in chapter 12? That's an amazing name. John Mark. John Mark, Yes. When we were growing up, a funny story, when we were growing up, my brother's name is John. He's 16 months older than I am. And uh, obviously my name is Mark. And when we would be getting in trouble around the church or so on, um, or really anywhere, you would always hear, John Mark! John Mark! And there was a lady that came up to my mom or dad, I'm not sure. I don't remember which one it was, but it says, how come it's always that one child that gets in trouble? Because they were thinking that it was one name. But this is not two different people. This is John Mark, and mostly goes by Mark through scriptures. Anyways, so he makes an appearance there in uh, verse 12. Okay, John who is also called Mark. He's in chapter 12, verse 12. He makes an appearance there. Okay, so he's mentioned there. Peter's mentioned. So that's what's going on there. And then you have the death of Herod um, there at the end. Okay, and then in verse 25, it talks about Paul, uh, Barnabas, and Saul returning from Jerusalem. Uh, and they brought Mark or John Mark with them. Okay, so that's where we ended in chapter number 12. Uh, important there. Now, the, what's really cool or something that we really want to uh, recognize that's going on here is from chapters 1 to chapters 12 really focuses on Paul's min- or uh, Peter's ministry. Okay, it focuses on the, the, the church is just barely beginning. We're seeing uh, Pentecost. We're seeing Peter really is the focal point of chapter number 12, uh, cha- the, between those chapters 1 and 12. Um, lots of stuff going on within this. We are seeing that the gospel is now not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, okay? So major stuff has gone on in these first 12 chapters. Very foundational stuff to the church and the importance of understanding how the church is today 
uh, we'll, you, if you want to know those things and where we came from and what our beginning is and how it is that uh, Gentiles are saved and why that came about, all of that stuff there is found. And it, it's found throughout Scripture, but the, the fundamentals and how we know that came to pass uh, and the stories in which it came to pass we find from 1 to to chapter 12. And then we do a dramatic turn in the book of um, Acts from 13 on. Now, Peter is mentioned a few times, but for the majority of the rest of the book of Acts, it focuses on Paul and his ministry to the churches and his three missionary journeys. Okay, so very, very important uh, turn of events in the book. Uh, If you want to study Paul's epistles and get background information and understand what's going on in the different uh, books that he's written, where you're going to find that back in, background information a lot is in verse or chapters 13 through the end. Okay, and so you'll you as we go through this book, you'll start to say, "Oh, that's where that fits in," and that's where that fits in. It really begins to bring the Bible alive, and that's really what's exciting about uh, the the Bible and about the Book of Acts and and, and uh, when you start to dive into it as a student and as a desire to get to know the God of the Bible and what's going on, it really can bring the New Testament to life. And then also, you can do the same thing in the Old Testament. And don't, what I would challenge you as we start going through this, what I would challenge you is don't just read surface over the Bible. Get into it. Understand. This is, uh, this is something I enjoy doing, but I look at the geography and miles gone and where things were located because sometimes we just see things on paper and it's like, you know, they went from Jerusalem to Antioch. Okay, so how many of you think Jerusalem to Antioch? Oh, it's, it's very short in the verse, so it's got to be just a quick jaunt, right? Well, now obviously this isn't a scale. I, I, I went to uh, 10 years of art school to figure out how to do this, okay? So uh, don't laugh at me. Oh, no. All right, so Jerusalem's down here, and the ox way up here, okay? When we, when we start to really dive into the Word of God and we understand how things are working, and we start to look at the people and not ju- they're not just things said. These are real people doing real mission works and having real... They have to move, right? They have to walk. They have to get from point A to point B. There wasn't a train or a plane or a bus that they could, you know... There was no hitchhiking on the side of the road. They either rode uh, in a caravan or the majority of the time they walked, okay? And so we're going to talk about... Uh, all of that and how that correlates. This mission uh, that we're going to talk about tonight uh, correlates in these uh, these areas. Okay, so uh, really wanted to kind of set off the 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 idea tonight is we are transitioning out of Peter being the focus and the church really being new. Okay, uh, it's no longer what can be considered like. Uh, an infant stage, maybe. Maybe we're getting to a slight, you know, just past infant stage, okay? 
There are, there's a few churches that have been spread out now because of the, uh, the persecution that's gone on. There's been persecution, and so the only church isn't only in Jerusalem anymore. It's spread out because of that persecution. And so there's beginning to be more churches than just one. And so the church is beginning to grow in size, and the necessity for someone to go and plant and also to encourage and to instruct has become very important. And that's what we're going to see here in chapter 13. And, and following through the end of Acts, okay? So really uh, change, transitioning your gears to understanding the church has grown to a point where now it's starting to, um, to, to reach much farther than Jerusalem. And uh, Paul and Barnabas, at the beginning of this chapter, are going to be commissioned, Okay. So that's where we are. We're exciting uh, time. Uh, Paul is going to go through uh, a lot of interesting uh, things with Barnabas and with other men, uh, and we're we're excited to to jump into the life of Saul, whose name also was Paul. Okay. So um, what I want to do first, I need a volunteer to turn first to uh, Acts uh, chapter eleven. Go to Acts chapter 11. So who, who wants to do that? You can all turn there, but I just need someone to read it. Jerry, okay. Acts chapter number 11, and let's go 19 through 26. 19, to, 19 through 26. Now, this is where we see the church of Antioch, which is going to be in our subject tonight. This is where we see it uh, begin and, and how it came to be and how uh, Barnabas is tied to this church, which will make sense when we get into chapter uh, number 13 here. So uh, Acts 11, 20, 19 through 26. Go ahead, Jerry. So then those who were scattered uh, because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, the men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to him. Then, when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Okay, so this is where we first see that uh, believers, and obviously we've gone over this already, but this is where we see that they were first called Christians. Okay, um, Barnabas was down in Jerusalem at that church and was sent up to Antioch and uh, worked with them and taught them and uh, encouraged them and saw that they were growing and the numbers increased. Uh, and then he went on a mission to find Paul. How long had Paul kind of been missing in action, if you will? Do we know? Paul kind of had his conversion in chapter... 
How, what chapter did Paul get his conversion in? Uh, conversion in? Okay, chapter 9, very good. Okay, and then we don't see much going on there. And we, we see Paul in Corinthians give an account of what was going on. But how many years uh, had elapsed at this time? Do we know? 14, okay? So it was roughly around 14 years Paul had been in a couple different places, but here he's in Tarsus and he's just learning and God is pouring out knowledge to him. We find that in there in Corinthians that no man taught Paul, but Jesus is the one that taught Paul what he knows, okay? And so he has... Uh, on good authority when Paul teaches, he has on very good authority of what he says because he didn't hear it from another man. He heard it directly uh, from Jesus himself. Okay, And so that is who his teacher was. And so Barnabas at this time goes and he finds Paul there, in, uh, or Saul, as he's called here, in Tarsus and takes him back to Antioch. And they serve in that church uh, for over a year. Okay, and then they get sent on a, a journey down to Jerusalem. Okay? Now, again, this is, uh, if it doesn't mean anything to you, it's okay, but it, I enjoy uh, the uh, understanding. From here to here is 300 miles. Okay? It's 300 miles from, from Jerusalem to Antioch. So it wasn't like, oh, maybe, well, I'll just kind of take a walk over to Antioch today from Jerusalem. All right, that's, that's not the case, okay? It, it's quite a, a journey, all right? So if you think about it, going to Las Vegas is around 350 miles. So if you minus 300 or 50 miles, which is close to about St. George, right? So uh, you walked to St. George from here, okay? That's, that's roughly what the, the, the idea of this a short little trip is okay so just put it in your mind that you're you're going to just take a short trip to uh saint george on foot or on horse okay i have ridden a horse for many miles and i would yeah it's it either way is rough on your body okay so uh and we're going to talk about miles traveled in in tonight's lesson uh and it gives us just good understanding of this is real these aren't these aren't, um, you know, superhumans that are making it in, in a day's time and all of that. Now, there is times in the Bible that God does do that, uh, but here we don't see that. We see lots of time elapsing uh, in our verses uh, without seeing that. So we want to make sure that we understand when we read through when it says that they went from Jerusalem to Antioch and then it picks up with the story. There's, there's a significant amount of time, okay, between those areas. You don't just make that 300 miles in a short uh, time, okay? So nothing huge there, nothing uh, mind-shattering, just good information to know uh, the distance there, okay? So now we got all of that kind of uh, information out there on where we're at, why Antioch's important, okay? Without understanding that, then it, this kind of might not make sense. So Antioch was an important church up here. It's a church that had was full of Greeks, so uh, non-Jews and Jews, okay? It was a place where Barnabas was a 
major uh, influence and uh, one of the the men that taught and preached there. And also Paul brought Paul alongside and Paul ministered there, or Saul, as he was called, uh, ministered there for a year. Okay, so that's kind of the backdrop that we see. So who would like to read verses 1 through 3? Verses 1 through 3 of chapter 13. Okay. Now there were in the church in Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them on. Okay, so there's some interesting things just to, to point out quickly. Uh, there was prophets and teachers, and then it names these men. These men were, that's who this is talking about, Barnabas and Simeon, and, and uh, who's, who's called Niger. And, and these men and Saul uh, were the teachers and prophets. Now, I did some research on the, the word prophet there. Um, some say it was actual prophecy being done. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, it is a good study to do. Uh, some believe the word prophet there is just good, sound teaching that was accurate. Uh, and some believe that it was actually being prof- there was prophecy going on. Um, either way, it's tr- uh, I believe there's some truth to it. Uh, they're not they're not prophets like Old Testament prophets necessarily. Okay, um, but I just I wanted to touch that just for a second. Um, but the the idea given here are these men that were mentioned, Barnabas and, and Niger and so on, were and and Saul were the teachers. Of the Church of Antioch. Okay, so among these men, though among these men, Barnabas and Saul were chosen by the Holy Spirit. And I think something that is very important for us to understand, because there's there's some movements in our churches today. There's some some people that really like to say, you know, I was called by God to a certain area, or I was led by the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't know necessarily that we can say 100% no, that's not the truth. But I can't, you can't say with a surety, right, that God called me to Payson Bible Church to be a pastor here. I can't say that. Now, I am, and so looking back, those things happen. Um, but you, you need to be very careful on what you ascribe to God and how He works. Okay, We don't say, He chose me for this work, or He, he has told me to be here or there, or has called me. Those things, are you've got to be really careful on how you say that. And, and I'll go into that here in just a minute. But in this case, and remember the book of Acts is very interesting because it is specific to the book of Acts, the things that go on. How many of you in your right mind have ever heard the Holy Spirit speak to you? Okay? No. All right? Well, what does it say here in the book, uh, or in in, um, verse... Uh, verse number 2, it says, The Holy Spirit said, set apart 
for me Barnabas and Saul. Okay? So this is a direct command from the Holy Spirit to set these two men aside. Okay, there is no scratching their head saying, well, I'm not sure. Should we or should we not? I mean, they're, they're good men, but are we sure this is of God? God took all doubt out and Holy Spirit said, yeah, these are my guys. Okay, set. So there is a difference, and, and I think it's important for us to understand there is some difference between Paul and Barnabas and maybe another type of missionary. These were for a purpose actually called out and mentioned here by the Holy Spirit and, and was audible. Okay, The same way, again, Paul was audibly heard uh, Jesus when he was converted in chapter number 9. Okay, so important things to understand. Um, the way that, uh, maybe let me ask you this, how would you say that a, a pastor, a missionary, somebody who, that is in that line of work, how would you say that today uh, they go about getting into that? Travis? Okay. Andy? So if they, uh, they have a spiritual gift that leads them to evangelism or um, something along those lines, and they have brothers and sisters in Christ around them, mature brothers and sisters in Christ that say, I see this in you, and this, this looks like this is an area where the, where the Spirit has blessed you. So... All right, so what, is, what does Timothy say? What does the book of Timothy say about the, the office of a bishop or an elder? It's a desire, okay? So if a man desires the office... Now, we do believe that God gives that desire, right? We don't, you know... And, and some men might desire it for the wrong reason, and that's why it doesn't end there in the book of Timothy where it says if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing, period. Let's move on, right? Is that what it said? If it is, then Jeremy wasted a lot of breath and hot air teaching us in the coin for many months, right? Because what did we go over? All the qualifications that it takes to become an elder. And so, not only is it a, um, a desire, but you also have to meet qualifications, okay? And so, not every man uh, that has a desire comes a pastor, Okay? And there are men that don't have a desire to become a pastor, and maybe that don't work out so well. Okay? But the design and how it comes about today typically is God instills a desire in your heart, and you act upon that at some point, but you still have to fulfill criteria. Okay? You can't just, just because that desire is there doesn't mean that 
automatically, okay? And you have to be, uh, when we say filled with the Holy Spirit, that means uh, you are acting in, the, in accordance with what the Holy Spirit would have you. And we're, we'll see that again here in, in Acts, okay? So we need to uh, move on, but I just wanted to make sure that we, we see that, uh, that Paul and Barnabas were actually specifically chosen by the Holy Spirit, and we uh, don't really necessarily get... Uh, chosen in that way, we we have a a desire to serve. Yes, sir. On the whole calling thing, I think an easy, an easy way to to think through that for somebody is wherever you are is where God's called you to serve. So that one's pretty straightforward uh, to me. It's just how do you know if you're if you're called to a certain place? Well, are you there? <laughs> you're yeah. Uh, serve yeah. wherever you are. Yeah, don't wait for an audible voice or some kind of weird feeling to say, oh, I'm not sure if I need to serve at Payson. God might call me somewhere else. No, serve at Payson until due time that you do move for whatever reason, okay? No one's allowed to do that. We like you here, okay? <laughs> All right, so... That being said, Paul and Barnabas, they laid their hands on them. The same kind of idea that was going on when uh, Jeremy you know, put his hands upon Tyler and I here earlier this year. And then the other men of the church came up and put their hands on us. It's just a, uh, a way of confirming and, and praying and, and commissioning these uh, two men uh, out to a... Uh, as some commentaries say, the most important missionary journeys uh, in history. Not only in church history, but in history. Because without these, where would we be, right? So very, very important not to diminish other missionary works that God has used, but these are uh, utmost importance in, in, in our ministry and, and how we view them as uh, a missionary journey. Okay? So very good. Um, that's what those first three verses are talking about. Then we get into verses 4 and 5, and that talks about where they went. So someone like to read verse 4 and 5 of chapter 13. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Celestia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues, of the Jews, and they also had John as their help. Okay, so I mentioned uh, we, we're going to try to get through this as quick as we can because um, it's more ge- geographical in, in nature here. Okay, so Barnabas originally, we can see where Barnabas came from, originally was Cyprus. We see that in Acts chapter 4. You, I'm, we're not going to turn there, but in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, uh, it says that that's where he came from. So Barnabas is from Cyprus. Okay, and So that's where they head in their first missionary journey. It's unclear whether the reason why is because of Barnabas and he wanted maybe to go witness to his, his family. Uh, it's an unsure of the, the exact reason uh, for them to go there. But the, nonetheless, that is uh, just some information. That is where Barnabas is from. Okay. Um, 
often they would travel, a lot of times what they would do, instead of walking this distance, a lot of times they would get on a boat and travel over here. And obviously this is an island, and so they would have to do that from, from the port here to here, is, or to the island is roughly 130 miles, okay, by boat. Yes, sir. Um, that, that was not come across in my study, so I can't give you an answer on that, unless one of you guys know that, but I don't, I don't have that answer for you, okay? That's okay. So, about 130 miles on a clear day, you could see, uh, it's been said that you can see from from here, you can actually see the island. Um, but, so, however long it took for them to get from there to there uh, by boat, I'm not a sailor, so I wouldn't know that, but um, roughly that's the, the mileage between those, and then they landed here, okay, and that's roughly where it's at. Um, and that's where they begin to do their ministry. Now, I said just as a, we're going to talk more about John Mark next week. But John Mark is mentioned here again, remembering that John Mark is the cousin of Barnabas. Okay, And he's going to come into play throughout uh, a couple more times in the book of Acts. And then we see him mentioned several times uh, just by name and character uh, throughout uh, the rest of the New Testament. And ultimately, he is, uh, ends up with Peter and is the author of the book of Mark, is what is believed. Okay? And so, um, that is who I mentioned there. Uh, they brought, a, you could say here that they brought along an apprentice, a helper, someone to, to be with them in the ministry there. Okay? It wasn't just Paul and Barnabas. They brought along some uh, young man to uh, mentor, okay? uh, as it were. So they get here, and then the first thing they do is go to the synagogue. Now, why do we believe that they go to the synagogue the first thing? Do we know? The gospel was brought first to the Jews, okay? And so most of the time we see Peter doing it, we see Paul doing it. For, for a while they go straight to the synagogues and they preach there, they share the gospel, it's to the Jews. When they get done with that, they uh, head out and pretty much anyone that will hear, uh, they, they share the gospel with, okay? And so uh, they get to the port city there. And they, they go there and they, they minister and then they move on and to the other, through the island, okay? So there's a lot of cities throughout this island here of Cyprus and, and they, they're making their way to the other side and this is where they end up here uh, at the end of our lesson. All right, uh, something, again, interesting to me, maybe not to you, but the distance between here and here is 113 miles, Okay, 113 miles is that distance that they covered preaching and proclaiming the Word of God through all of those areas. And that's important to understand because the news of them preaching got all the way over here to the ruler of the island and the ruler of the area. So if you want to think, you know, how the journey from there to there is like going to... Um, uh, 
down south, okay? This journey from here to here would be like going to Evanston, Wyoming, okay? So if you were to start from Payson and walk to Evanston, that would be the journey in which that they covered through this, uh, through this island, okay? So oh, not just a short little journey. I don't know how many of you have been to Evanston, but it takes two hours by car, okay? So it's not just a short... Evanston is actually like... I, I was doing this on the way over here um, in the car with my wife, um, but it's like 119 miles, so it's just a few miles longer uh, than Evanston, but or shorter than going to Evanston. But that kind of gives you the the range of which they traveled uh, to get there. And obviously, it wasn't they just walked straight there. Uh, they stopped and ministered and preached and taught the word of God and were proclaiming the word of God throughout that that region. Okay. Now we're going to get into uh, the last section. We're going to go through verses 6 through 12. 6 through 12, uh, we'll finish out. And we're going to learn some, in, some interesting and some important uh, things on how to deal with opposition and, and how the Spirit worked and, and how the Spirit works with inside of us and understanding opposition and then obviously understanding the power of the Word of God. This is a very uh, enlightening and very interesting uh, section uh, that we can gain a lot of good information for us uh, to go out and as we witness share uh, the gospel. Okay, And so we're going to uh, learn about uh, two different men here uh, and then... Um, We'll read it, and then I'll give you some background information, and then we'll, we'll talk about some lessons learned, okay? So, who would like to read verses 6 through 12? Verses 6 through 12. Got it? Read it loud. They traveled through the whole, uh, the whole is land. Inland. Until they came to Paphos. Um, there they met a Jew, a Jew sorcerer and a false prophet named Jesus, who was Sergius Paulus, the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was called Paul, here, let me stop you right there, okay? We'll come to that here in just a second. So let's cover just that section of verses, okay? So they traveled through all of this area, and they approached here, okay? And uh, when they got there, they, they uh, came in contact with a sorcerer, okay? A Jew, which is an interesting, uh, interesting, it was a Jewish sorcerer, all right, that was connected to the pro-council. So we're going to talk just briefly here about uh, the Bar-Jesus, because he's going to come back into play here in a minute. Um, the, he was a Jew, that was stated, and then he was also a sorcerer. And oftentimes, this type of man was, uh, they, they would tell the future. And so, powerful men, men that had lots of money, men that had lots of power, men that had uh, authority, would often have these men around them, and so that they would gain maybe an advantage in a deal financially, they would gain an advantage in a battle, they would know the outcome, they, they suspected uh, those type things, how, how things would out, you know, would, uh, would come out is obviously 
powerful information to a leader, right? You would think, I'm, I have an advantage over my opponent, whoever it might be. And so these type men that would um, self-proclaimed prophets that were false um, would attach themselves or become employed even. And that's the idea given here. He was uh, employed um, by the proconsul. Okay, and so that's uh, a very uh, important aspect to understand of the relationship between Bar Jesus and the proconsul. We'll talk about him in just a second. Uh, the word Bar means son of. Okay, and so his name means son of Jesus, which is ironic, right? Because he is a false prophet and a false uh, teacher. And Deuteronomy, which we have just gone through, and um, we've. It's been a little while since we've been there, but in Deuteronomy chapter number 13, it talks about false prophets, okay? In Deuteronomy 13, 1, and then in verse 5, it talks about if they come about, if a false prophet comes about, this is how you're supposed to deal with him, and we're, we're going to run for time, so just write that down and look at it later. And then in, chapter, in verse 5 of Deuteronomy 13, it talks about if you come across him and he is teaching a false, uh, he is a false prophet and so on, and he is turning you away from God, you are to kill him. Okay, He's be put to death. And so uh, this man, Bar-Jesus, would possibly know that he was a Jew, all right, and he is just saying, I don't really care. I'm going to do what I want and uh, I'm going to make a lot of money by giving false prophecies and lies, uh, and spreading false truths, and and not uh, and being in strong opposition. And as we will see here, as Paul talks to him, he was strong opposition against uh, the cause of Christ. Okay, and so what we see here is they're going through. They meet him and the proconsul. And I'll just give you some background information on him. The proconsul is a, a man. Uh, well, let me see here. Let me give you the, the, the full picture. Caesar Augustus was the king of all Roman area, okay? And anything controlled by him. And he controlled such a large area that he was having, he didn't think he could really take care of it all himself. And so what he did is he split the, into two different groups and two different areas. And Caesar would take care of uh, anything that was military necessary, okay? And so if there was still uprisings going on, if there was uh, anything that needed to be a military attendant, uh, Caesar would take care of that and would control that area. Uh, <coughs> then he set up a senate, or a group of men called the senate, and those men would choose what they call pro-councils or governors. They governed an area. Okay, and so the pro-council here, that's how he came to be, that's who he is, and we could call him pro-council, we could call him governor, it would be the same idea, they have that kind of authority, uh, they're, they're the highest ranking official uh, in, in Cyprus was the pro-council um, here, okay, and so he hears, you know, obviously through his people and so on about Paul and Barnabas or Saul and Barnabas, and they're they're preaching the word of God, and he wants to know what they're saying. He wants to hear it for himself, and so he summons them to him. 
And, and this interaction happens where Barnabas and Saul and um, <clears throat> the, the proconsul and Bar-Jesus all kind of get together, and there's, there's quite an interaction between them. Okay, So now the, the story is starting to pick up steam. They've come all the way through there. Uh, they've hit their, the end of their designation here. And they're begin, they're going to have a pretty interesting encounter uh, with two men. Okay, so uh, go ahead and finish where you were reading. Okay, because that kind of that gets us set in the picture. Okay, and this is Paul's interaction with Bar Jesus. Okay, very good. All right, so this gives us some good lessons on how to deal with opposition and how we need to deal with it uh, ourselves and uh, understanding opposition and then uh, understanding the power of the Word of God and how the power of the Word of God is really uh, the words and what we say is where the power is at, okay? And, and where not what we do necessarily, which is important, but the words that we preach from the Word of God, how powerful they are. Now, Paul or Saul here, it was called Paul and Saul. Just for information, Saul is his Jewish name. Paul is his Roman name. If you were wondering why that went back and forth and why they, they keep mentioning it, that, that's what it is. Paul is a Roman name. Saul, or sorry, yeah. Paul is a Roman name. Saul is a Jewish name for him. And Paul's ministry primarily was to the uh, Gentiles or so on. And so that's where the name more like stuck was the Roman name Paul. Okay, so anyways, he he gets into a discussion. Now he began to teach the word of God, and this man came to interrupt and say, you know, try to because he knew that if uh, Paul and Barnabas were able to to persuade the proconsul that he would be out of a job and possibly even put to death. So this is a stern battle going back and forth here. Uh, we don't know everything that was said because it's not written here, but you know that Paul didn't know him or Saul and Barnabas didn't know him, so there must have been something being said or heard about him for Paul to to stop and to... The, the, the interesting thing is Luke is very descriptive here. He doesn't say he's passive and just kind of says, hey, just be quiet, move over. Okay, He looks him straight in the eye. Okay, Now, Paul didn't read communication books very well on how to build friendships and, and, win, and win relationships, all right? Uh, in this circumstance, Paul looks him straight in the eye and says, you son of the devil. Very, very straight. There's no mixing of words. He's very straight to uh, the, 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 what he's trying to get at. But what we, 
what we want to make sure we notice is Paul here, uh, it said about him that it was full of the Holy Spirit. And I, 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 I kind of wanted to think about that when I was getting ready to teach this. The idea given here about filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul didn't have an, a different kind of feeling than you and I have or a special dose of, of the Holy Spirit that you and I don't have. The idea given here about Paul being filled with the Holy Spirit is that he was not filled with himself. He wasn't filled with with anger or or some kind of sinful nature. He was filled with the Holy Spirit when he went after this man. And there's a big difference between when you come against strong opposition. Now, if we're out on the street witnessing to someone and an, uh, a neighbor comes up that is of another belief, whatever that might be, and be- to give opposition to you as you're teaching, and maybe there's a little bit of conflict here, you're not going to handle that in the way Paul handled this. You're not going to turn to him and say, you son of the devil. All right? That, that's not what we're doing. That would be angry. You might get frustrated and lash out in frustration and anger. None of that is acceptable. None of that is what Paul did not do here. But we would handle that kind of situation where someone's budding into a witnessing opportunity with an opposition, and you would have to handle that in grace and love. But then there's also a time where someone is being like Bar-Jesus and very belligerent and very much an opposing of God and His right. I mean, Paul goes through it. He's, he's a son of the devil. And basically, he's characterized by the devil. Uh, he, he has no righteousness in him. Everything that characterizes him is, is bad. And that's what Paul says and, and really goes after him here. And there is a time for us to do that with certain people. But we have to do it under the Holy Spirit. We cannot allow our flesh to get into that and start just uh, hurling insults in and, and saying all kinds of mean things against that person. Paul, we don't see him necessarily ta- attacking uh, the person, but what he's portraying and what he's doing. And oftentimes when we, start, when we attack somebody in our flesh, we start to attack them as the person. And we want to be careful we never attack the person, but the sin and, and, and addressing the sin and the actions and all of that encompassing. And that's what Paul does here. So it's a good lesson for us to make sure that when we are out sharing the Word of God and we, under, we hit opposition and we, we hit strife because it's going to happen, there's ways to handle that. And this is a very rare, I would say, circumstance that you're going to use where you get very strong uh, with them in your words and how direct you are and point them to their direct sin and how they are pointing people directly to hell. And so there is a time for that, but make sure that you do it in the right spirit and so on. But the majority of the time, and Paul would even uh, say this in later uh, books, that you want to be gentle and meek and peaceful and sharing of the Word of God. But here, uh, he is definitely making a point that you're not going to, uh, to... to make the straight paths of Christ crooked. Why do you continually make crooked the straight paths of Christ and really gets after him in the Holy Spirit, not in his flesh? Okay? 
Very, very important thing for us to to grasp there. And then there at the end, uh, Paul um, is uh, has obviously powers that are given to him uh, that are specific again to the book of Acts. Okay, this isn't something that if you get an opposition and the guy's really belligerent, you can't say, "Hey, you're going to be blind for a time." And wait for this mist to fall upon him. Okay, that that that's not going to happen. All right, you can try it, and then you'll look like a fool. All right, because it won't happen. All right, so this again is Paul uh, under the power. Okay, this was powers given by the Holy Spirit for a specific time for a specific person, uh, and Paul was able to blind uh, Bar Jesus for a certain time, and he went away searching for someone to lead him. And the proconsul here saw that and was amazed. But what we want to to emphasize here in the end uh, of this chapter uh, is that we um, see in verse eleven. Now, beholding the hand of the Lord is upon you, you uh, you uh, now behold the hand of the Lord. Okay, this is Paul. Paul doesn't say, my hand is upon you, or you are being judged by me. He's saying, the, the hand of the Lord is upon you. You will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went uh, about seeking those to, uh, that would lead him by the hand. And then the proconsul believed when he saw... Okay, so he saw what happened there, and he believed. But the important thing, he believed because of what happened. But uh, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. And so he saw a miracle and believed, but he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. And that is so important to understand that the teaching that Paul and Barnabas were bringing, the gospel news, the Christ's love and redemption and His death, burial, and resurrection, and all the things that encompass the gospel and what Paul and Barnabas have been teaching throughout the entire island and began to teach to him, he was amazed and became a convert uh, at that time. And as far as we know in this first missionary journey all that we see is one convert on this side of the island now there could have been here we don't hear about it okay the only convert in that whole probably several months if not longer time period uh, is uh, one convert and it was the proconsul the the authority of the whole island and so tonight we we've we've jumped into a new section. We've jumped into an exciting section of Paul's missionary journeys. And Paul's going to have several different encounters. He's going to, we read about it in his life. He gives his testimony of all of the things uh, that he went through. And if you've ever wondered, man, I really like to know in detail what the things that Paul went through. Well, be excited to keep coming back because you're going to hear the details of his shipwrecks and his beatings and his, all of the things. Paul went through the cause of Christ, and we don't want to praise the man. We want to praise the God of the man, right? We never want to praise the man. Uh, we can we can give honor to him. Okay, he was a good man. He was a man filled with the Holy Spirit and, and a man that God used greatly. 
but God is the one that we want to give the honor and the praise and the glory to. And things to just keep in mind here as we close tonight. Remember how it is that we deal with opposition to Christ. We're going to deal with it our entire lives. The older we get and the more sinful the world becomes, the more we will deal with opposition. And we need to deal with it with grace and love. We need to deal with it within the Holy Spirit. And at some times, it is necessary to deal with it strong and to be very pointed and not to beat around the bush. There's sometimes it's it's helpful to beat around the bush and, and to try and nurture. I know Andy's recently had several opportunities to share the gospel with uh, some, some missionaries that have come to his house and, and, and other ways. Uh, it, you know, Andy would not be effective if he called them a son of a devil and uh, men of all unrighteousness, okay? So having teched... Not in those words, okay? So not uh, having tact in how we do things, but do understand there might come a time that we might have to be strong in our witness and, and look at somebody square in the eyes that is leading innocent people astray and be able to say, hey, this is, this is wrong and this is what you're doing. Uh, and when you do that, be filled, with the fle- or be filled with the Spirit, not with the flesh. Okay? So, very, very important. And then understanding the power is in the Word of God. The power is in the Word of God. He was not amazed. He didn't say he was amazed at the miracle. He was amazed at the teaching of the, of the, of the Lord. Right? Very good. So, we're going to continue in and, and learn more as we go in, in, in Paul's sermon and, and more geographical stuff we'll talk about and... and, and um, I don't know, that stuff just interests me. So it gives us some, some understanding of that, uh, his journeys and so on, and how far things were, and that this wasn't just a short little journey. A lot of miles were covered, okay? All right. Well, I hope that was exciting. I hope that you learned something tonight. And uh, next week we'll, we'll start in verse 13, and we will get to a point. That point is undetermined, okay? Not sure where how far we'll get. Uh, there's some commentaries that get they do four uh, sessions or four lectures in this um, passage. I have seen one that did six. We will not do that for sure. Uh, and I've seen one that did two, and we most that one might be a little struggle. There's 52 verses in this. So, um, but anyways, that was a lot of things said. You guys were a good good group tonight. Didn't give a whole lot of chances for feedback, but hopefully you learned something. We're encouraged tonight. So we will end one minute over. I did all right. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, again for your word. We thank you for Paul and Barnabas and John and how we see your word uh, go out in this first missionary journey, Lord, and and what we learn through it, and how we uh, deal with opposition, and how we uh, know that your, your word is powerful, and that's all we need is to be able to uh, expound upon your gospel, and, and know the word, and the word is where the power is, Lord. And, and God desires to use us uh, to, to reach our community, and reach our world, 
And Lord, I pray that tonight we would be uh, challenged to, to be a witness and to, to go out and, and share uh, the gospel uh, with our community and those that are around us. In your name, in love. Amen. There will be information coming, more information on how we're going to be doing things as a church. So just be looking forward to that.